Good morning, everybody. So that verse that he just read, I find that interesting. Um, there's two things in um, in the New Testament or in the Gospels that Jesus says two different times that this has amazed him. And one is, man, he had so much faith. How amazing is that? And the second one is, oh my gosh, I'm amazed that you guys have so little faith. Like, that's the two things that when it's like Jesus is astounded or amazed by something, it's faith. It's how much they have or how little they have. And so faith is something that this year I asked God at the beginning of the year. I was like, teach me what faith is. And I'm not like, I'm not asking just what is faith. Like, I can go look up a definition, but I want to know what Christian faith is. What is it to actually, like, have an outworking of faith that actually is much deeper, richer, fuller, and actually, like, active. And what we think of when we read the Bible and we're like, they had some faith. Like, that was astounding. How did they live in such a way like that? And so I, I asked God, I was like, God, teach me. I have to know. I have to know what's different. What is this actual faith? What does biblical faith actually look like? And so he's actually been doing that. And so you guys, I get to teach you guys what he's been teaching me. And it's been super exciting for me to just, like, learn all these different things. And so I'm amazed that that's the things that amazes Jesus is faith. Um, all right, um, Andrew, can you put, pull up uh, Psalms 19:14? So I like to do different ways that we pray together. Um, and so this is actually one that I want us to pray together. Um, and the verse is uh, Psalms 19:14. It says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart <coughs> be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And I think this is something that we can pray individually together. Like, individually together, that sounds weird. Um, but like, as each of us pray together, it's an individual prayer. And so I want us to do that. Uh, and then I'm going to switch it, and I'm going to have us change all the, the mys. Those are pronouns, right? Is that correct? <laughs> all right, good. I'm not so good at this English stuff. Um, so we're going to change all those pronouns to ours. So uh, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart. So then it's a corporate thing that we're going to do together, okay? So everybody rise. So the first time, and... Just wait for me to tell you when we're going to do it again. All right. So, so don't just immediately go on to the next time. So we're just going to pray this out together. Ready? Let the words of my mouth. All right. Let's do that again. Again, using my, but like this is our prayer right now. That the, the, medita- that the words that we're going to actually be speaking from our lives, that they will be pleasing to him, that the meditations of our heart will be pleasing to him. So let's do it again with my again. So let the words of my mouth and All right, let's do it together with R. Let the words of You can be seated. So I wanted to do that last one because I think there's something of the corporateness that changes. I was just uh, listening to a guy talk about that uh, when, you, when you talk about like beehives, you, you talk about individual bees, but bees don't ever like live off by themselves. Like honeybees, they are a social 
thing. So then it's no longer, you don't talk about the separate entity because a, a honeybee isn't ever a separate entity. It is actually only ever the full hive. Does that make sense? So like, like it actually has to be a part of something to actually be what it's designed to be. It can't be an individual bee by itself because bees are social. So when we're praying this, we have to realize we're not individual Christians doing our own separate different thing. It's like a beehive. We're the body, one body of Christ all together as one. So that's why I wanted us to pray that R to remind us that this isn't like my walk by myself. This isn't just me off by myself doing these things. That everything that I do interacts with the people around me and that, the, that I live in a body. And so everything that I do actually affects the rest of the body. And we're one entity. All right? So that's just to clarify what we just did there. All right. So um, we're going to talk about faith and... Uh, uh, oh, boy. That was not good. Um, a good definition of faith, um, we'd like to go to Hebrews 11 generally, but let's go, um, and we're going to switch that up, and we're going to go, oh no, we'll start with Hebrews 11, we'll do that one first, yeah, we'll do that first. So, uh, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. So we talked about that already, uh, one of my first sermons this year, that, that Faith is the assurance of a thing hoped for, the evidence of a thing not seen. What is that thing? That's Jesus. He is the assurance. He is the evidence. He is all of that. That is what we actually, we anchor our hope, our faith in who he is. So then we skip forward in in Hebrews 11. Uh, We read through all of these um, great people of faith, and it's like, man, this is amazing. Um, And so you've got um, in verse 32, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, and David, and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead from resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn and two, they were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep, goats, and sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains, and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, through though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. So I don't know if you noticed at the beginning, it sounded really awesome that, that they're like, they conquered kingdoms, they did all these great things. And all of a sudden it just like makes this little twist. And it's like, and they were tortured, refusing to accept a release and they might, uh, that they might ha- not have a better life. Others suffered floggings and mockings uh, in chains. Uh, some were actually stoned and sawn in two. What? Like, this is, ta- like, this is faith. Like, this is what, like, we're in this whole section. This is what faith looks like. This is the kind of things that, like, actually, as, b- as a believer, that this is what we should expect in our lives. They conquered kingdoms. They were sawn in two. All right? That might happen. That really might happen. All right, so, I wanted to get to Revelation. We'll get to that now. All right, so, so a good definition of faith is in Revelation twelve eleven. um, it says, they overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And what's the next line? Don't put it up on the screen. Just Yeah, they didn't love their lives, own lives, even unto death. We, we would know that first part. They overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Woo! They conquer kingdoms. They didn't love their own lives unto death. So that's actually the actual 
reality that makes those first two true. They overcome by the blood of the lamb. So Jesus, everything that he did, yes, we overcome by that. By the word of our testimony that we testify to the truth that that actually took place. That the blood of the lamb is our testimony, that we actually align ourselves with that. But the outworking that actually says the the things that we just said, the word of our testimony saying that the blood of the lamb is what we overcome by, is actually us not loving our own lives unto death. That's, the, that actually what, that's what makes the first two true. Are you with me? Does that make sense? So you can't actually have the first two actually doing much if you're not actually having active faith. It's like in uh, James 2, 18, it's like, some will say, uh, you'll show me your faith and I'll show you my works. And he's like, well, how, like, I'll show you my works, my faith by my works. That's what it is. It's like this faith, this actual by the, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and not loving our lives unto death. That is actually the outworking of faith and works together. You tracking with me? Does that make sense? So when we're actually look, thinking, what is a good definition of faith? They overcome by the blood of the lamb, the word of the testimony, and not loving their own lives unto death. That actually is just as equally good of a working definition of faith as the one in Hebrews 11. So, I wanted to understand this whole thing with uh, revelation and understanding what is this thing with, with, with faith that seems to have this overcoming, this perseverance, this endurance, this uh, steadfastness. And then James is like, that, that the, testing of your faith may, uh, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Or in Romans 5, um, it's, uh, 5, 1 through 5, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of our God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that the suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Then in 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8, it says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue, knowledge, and in knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being in, ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I was like, uh, what is, why is faith paired with endurance? and perseverance, and steadfastness, which I thought was a reasonable uh, question to ask God uh, why, why he did that. And so I was sitting at a uh, stoplight, and I felt like that was an ideal time to just ask him why he did that, why, why he decided the faith, and endurance, and perseverance, and steadfastness should all go together. So I was sitting there, and I was like, what is this about, God? Why is it, like, why does faith get connected to remaining steadfast in our faith? Why is, uh, like, it, why is there this endurance in this constant hope in a life of perseverance? And his response to me was, what is it that you don't like about this? It's like, uh, what is it that you don't like about this? That's what his response to me was. And I was like, well, why is there this waiting time period? Why can't we just apprehend and take hold of what is promised immediately? And he's like, what is it about waiting that you don't like? like? Stop asking me these questions. I'm asking the questions right now. So I was like, I mean, I don't understand what patience has to do with the outworking of faith or, or the growing in our faith of the development of my faith in my life. Uh, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be better for, for, for me to see the fulfillment of things and, and so have things answered and have faith 
so that I can have faith for the next thing because I had a fulfillment so I can have faith and just keep progressing. Yeah? How many of us have felt that way? It's like, if I had the fulfillment in that, then I could have like more faith for the next time. So that was, I was like, I was on behalf of you guys. Don't worry. I was, I was asking these questions for you. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. No problem. <laughs> I said, wouldn't it make, m- <laughs> this is me, in the wisdom of my mind, wouldn't it make more sense? Talking to God. Wouldn't it make more sense for there to be answers and fulfillment in things quickly so that I can progress to having faith for bigger things? And so his response to me was, what is patience a characteristic of? Or, or what is patience an element or dynamic of? And I knew it immediately. I knew where he was going with it. And I was like, Dad, I got it! Oh boy, this is not good. Because I, I knew he was going immediately to 1 Corinthians 13. It's like, love is patient. So his, he's like, so you don't want to love? I didn't say that! That's not what I said. You guys didn't say that either, right? Like, that would not, that's not what you guys were saying. Like, you were just wondering with me, what is patience? What is this endurance? Why, like, why can't we just have this apprehend it, take it, go with it? So he's like, so you don't want to love? I was like, hold on. That's not what I said. And I know that Galatians 5 says, faith works through love. So there's these two elements of love here. One, if I love him for what he does, then, then he's like a vendor providing goods, right? So if he stops providing the good that I like, then I'll just go find a different vendor, right? Like, I, I go to, the, to a store because they provide this product. If at some point they stop carrying it, I go to a different store that does provide that. So if I am going to him for specific things and he's not providing, well, I'll go find someplace else for my hope and my peace and my joy and my life. Yeah. So do I love him for what he does for me or do I love him for who he actually is? That's the first element that we need to get for faith works through love. Second element, if I don't believe he loves me based on my circumstances, I live more from sight than actually from faith. That I'm actually not walking in the love that the Father has towards me. So those are the two elements that are at play here. So if, if I've missed out on either one of those, faith works through love. Where's my faith if I don't have my love? Right? We want to, we want, like, we're, we're believing for things. We want to have, we're saying we have faith. Back it up, back it up, back it up, back it up. Do we have love? Is it, are we basing what we see, like our circumstances are determining whether he truly loves us? Are we, are we not seeing a response from him, so now we're going to go someplace else? We're going to try a different technique? We're going to try something different? So that we have to make sure that we have the understanding of that love is actually the foundation that faith works off of. <coughs> so he then asked me, what takes a greater maturity, instantaneous or prolonged outworking of a progressive faith? I was like, well, I don't know. I suppose it takes more maturity to continue to persevere steadfastly in faith despite what the circumstances look like. And he said, perseverance, endurance, and steadfastness develop maturity you only have to be mature enough to hold on to a current moment. Without knowing the end from the beginning, you only need the maturity to believe the truth for that specific moment. And over time, you'll be able to look back and see how you've grown since you started. So my response, so that means it takes more maturity for instantaneous answers? If you gave a child, this is his response, if you gave a child everything they wanted right when they wanted it, how would that child develop? 
Whew. Well, I, I guess it would make them entitled in a prideful way, expectant in a self-centered way, demanding in a resentful way. And if you didn't give the child everything all at once, but began to develop patience and appreciation for what they have at the moment they are in, then you would begin to develop maturity. This is my response. I'm, I'm picking up where he's going with this. So you begin to develop maturity through steadfastness and trust. Trust. You begin to develop real faith, not some kind of consumer-driven mentality where if you don't provide what I want, then I'll find another means and another source to get that. Like that's actually where faith actually takes a stand, where it actually develops and grows us into everything who is Christ the head, where we actually mature because that's what we're called to do, Right? We're called to mature into something. So this book that my dad uh, referenced a couple weeks ago, Dirty Glory, has this quote and it. it says, If our prayers were all immediately granted, we would be like spoiled children with weak bodies and rotting teeth. We are strengthened and matured by seasons of boredom, even pain that demands perseverance. In fact, it is often during these unglamorous, in-between times that we mature. Our faith fills up into Faithfulness. And God's response back to me was, the maturity is developed to be able to handle the instantaneous answer. It is easy to get prideful when I give you an instantaneous answer. You might think it's something that you did, how you asked, how fervently you prayed, how many people you got together to pray, how good you've been, or the, uh, uh, how good things you've, about the good things you've been doing to get rewarded for, the amount of time you've been fasting, it can become about what you're doing or what you did. It becomes about what you did instead of what I already did. It's about what you, not about who I am. It's about techniques and strategies, not about relationship. It's about your works, not my finished work. It's about you striving and doing and not resting in my grace and love and mercy. It's about the intensity with which you want the results and the desires with which you want to find me in and through it all. So this is a different, there's like this little switch that takes place. It's not about our work, it's about his finished work. That's where we rest, right? Does that make sense? So it's not about the things that we work up. It's not about us building up our faith to, to do these things, to, to see these things outwork from us. It's actually all from a foundation of love. But unfortunately, we often let the outcome of something determine our faith. We've sometimes taught that faith is something that gets applied for our own sake. We tend to think that, um, that we have faith for a better life, so that if, if there's this thing that's in our way, I have faith, remove it, smooth sailing, glassy seas. It's so that we can, like, I, I have this faith to get through trouble, to make life a little bit easier. And when it doesn't work, then we get analytical and introspective. What do I need to do differently? Where was God in this? Why isn't he being faithful to his word right now? And we take the seat of the judge and we analyze the data. We assess the situation. The seat of the judge is the seat of the throne, is the seat of the king. And we're now sitting on there. We're, We're the ones who are now judging the king of kings and determining what's right and what's wrong. What's good? He says these things are good. He says these things aren't. And we're now going, I take that place. I've decided that I will take this fruit. This is good to me. And this is what I will take and eat. There's only one who's ever been found worthy to sit on the throne. Yes, it's not you. 
Our lives are always to reveal the character of Christ every day. Like that is our, that's the life that we live is actually to have our lives reveal Christ out no matter what the circumstances. Integrity is not a given in the kingdom. Loyalty, not a given, in the, it is a given in the kingdom. It's, it's not like up for debate. Like integrity is, is just standard in the kingdom. Loyalty is just, that's the standard means of operation. It's not, well, if he does this, then I'll do this. I'll be more integrity, uh, I'll be more filled with integrity if he does these things. Commitment to the cause, whatever he's doing, I'll be committed if he does this for me. No, like in the world of the kingdom, in his kingdom, those things, those things are just a given. Love is just a given. Patience is just a given. Faith is just a given. Like that's just the life that we're called to live. Every day our lives are to reveal Christ. Sometimes I think we have this picture that God's just sitting there like, and, and his whole purpose is just to bless us um, instead of actually grow us up into maturity. That there is something of blessing. Like, don't get me wrong. That's not, I'm not saying that there isn't something of blessing, but he wants to see you mature so there's actually a fullness to the blessing. He wants to see you actually grow up into all things who is Christ the head. That's his goal. Like, he wants you to be so united with him, so integrated into his life, that you've actually matured into something so different. But we have all these Christians who are constantly discouraged, constantly depressed, constantly downtrodden and beat down. All these things are about us. It's not about his life. It's not about his finished work. It's not about what he's already done. All those things are self-centered responses to my expectations not being the way I want them to be. He calls us to live not by sight, but by faith, to grow up into all things who Christ the head. Think back with me to, to Daniel. You have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, you know, they decide not to bow down because that's not what you're supposed to do. And they're like, we're going to throw you in the fire. I'm like, go for it. Our God will save us. And even if he doesn't, can we get that if into us? That even if he didn't do anything, even if he didn't change anything, even if he didn't change your circumstances, I don't love my own life unto death. Like I would give up my own self. Can we get that if deep? Really, really deep. Even if he doesn't do anything, I still love him because he's worthy. We need to find what is the essence of that if and get that deep in us that nothing ever changes us because it's not about our circumstances, not about any of those things. It's about his worthiness, his goodness. Despite what my eyes see, I have faith in his character that he knows the right thing to do every single time. All right, Matthew fifteen twenty-one through 28. Can you pull that up? Matthew 15, 21 through 28 says, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to a district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. We'll continue reading here in just a second. He did not answer her words. So like if us, if we came to him and prayed and asked for something, like this woman, she comes, goes, hey, I have this daughter who's demon possessed. 
I want this demon out. And Jesus just doesn't even answer. Must not be God's will, right? I didn't get an answer. Right? Isn't that often how we think? Like, I prayed for it. I didn't get an answer. Must not be the will of God. The will of God is, is determined based on how I see my circumstances, how, like how the outcome is. No, it's not. This lady, she's like, no, I'm still pressing in. Jesus doesn't answer, and she keeps going. Um, in verse 23, but he did not answer her word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. How many of us, though, when we pray, if we don't get an answer, we're like, hmm, must not be God's will. And we think that faith is what actually brought us to asking. But how many times are we actually asking because we have fear? We're worried. We have anxiety. We just have need. Like, the need is actually what brought us. So it's actually faith that brought this woman through. Like, if she just came to him, and he doesn't answer because of need? Well, she might as well just walk away. If it was just based out of fear, she, no, she has so much faith that even if he's like, I still know that you're going to do this. I still know this is always your will. Do you know how I know it's the will of God to heal? Do you know how I know it's the will of God to do all these things? Because every single time that anybody ever came to Jesus and asked for healing, every time he healed them. Every single time. There wasn't a single time that he turned them away and was like, no, I won't heal you. Every single time. Now, there were other people that weren't healed, but every person that ever asked him to be healed, he healed them. The other way that I know that it's in his will is because in the new heavens and the new earth, it's going to not have any sickness, right? So it's his will for healing, for restoration, for like all of these things to take place. So I know without a shadow of doubt, I don't have to question, is it his will for healing? He might be growing me and maturing me and changing me and develop me, de- developing me in this, but I don't have to question, is it his will for healing? Is it his will for restoration? Is it his will for life? Who's the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Not him, right? So it's his will 100% of the time for life to be given. Sometimes life comes through maturing and growing up into and developing into these other things. But I never have to question, is it his will for healing? Is it his will to change these things? Is it his will, will for a demon possess, possess, person to have the demon removed? Always, 100%. I never have to question it. It's just not even a question. So what happens here is this woman comes. He do, he, it says he doesn't answer her a word. And so... I think one of the things that we need to figure out in this or, or learn from this is when the first time that we come and we come based on need or fear or want or desire, that might be the reason why we came the first time. But we need to have endurance. We need to be steadfast. We need to be persevere through and actually develop faith, mature into, so that the next time our first response isn't need, isn't want, isn't desire, isn't fear, isn't anxiety, isn't worry. The next time my initial response for why I'm coming to him is faith. I have 100% confidence. I know who he is, and I'm with him 100% of the time. I'm not coming from fear. I'm worried about these things taking place, so I'm coming to you because I'm worried. Like, that might happen. 
but we need to mature into those who actually come to him. First response is faith, not fear, not worry, not anxiety. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? And you keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. Faith isn't this hit, miss, win, or lose, this, this, uh, this 30-day try me, see if you like me, money-back guarantee. Like, that's not how faith works, right? Like, I'm going to try this. I'm going to pray for these things. If I don't see a response, dropping it. I wanted this, didn't happen. All right, I'll pick a different method of going around this. No, faith is not a hit, miss, win, or lose. It's not based on what I see. It's not based on my circumstances. It's not based on, on the things around me, my situation. It's not, I'm going to try this for 30 days. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to really dig in based on my work. No, it's his work. And it's not a 30-day thing. It's not a 60-day thing. It's not this rebate that I can get something back from. It's the righteous live by faith. Like, that's how we live. Like, that's just, that's just it. Like, the righteous live by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. That's just like, that is a given in the kingdom, that this is the life that we're called to. Well, sometimes I've walked in faith and the circumstances get tougher. And he ordered that the furnace be heated seven times hotter. Even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't, he's still worthy. I tried though. I've tried walking in faith, but my circumstances got so much harder. The more that I tried, the harder it got. Did it get like seven times hotter? Yeah, that's a good spot. That's a good spot. Maybe you were actually walking around in the furnace with him, but you were trying to actually be ahead of him instead of walking behind him, let him, like, him actually guide the path. Every time that the enemy touches us, he runs the risk of perfecting us in Christ. That we would actually grow up into Christ. Like he runs that risk that we would actually deny ourselves, that, that, that whatever comes against us, he runs the risk that, that we will actually grow up into Christ. He's so confident that that won't happen. He's confident that we will love our own lives more than we'll love Christ's life. So he keeps coming back. He's willing to risk it because he doesn't believe that we love Christ's life more than we love our own. And we've proved him right over and over and over again. But that's what we're called to live into, that we actually are growing into Christ. That when he comes against us, I have the opportunity to stand, to be perfected in Christ, to be one with him, to actually be like, I already am seated with him in heavenly places. That's, all, that's where I am right now. It looks like I'm right here, but I'm actually seated with him in heavenly places. Like that is where I'm at. So when he comes against me, when the enemy comes against me, I already know where I'm seated. I already know that I have the entrance into the Holy of Holies that I can just walk in and I'm with my king. So when the enemy comes against us, he gives us the opportunity to respond one of two ways. Either we are more perfected in Christ or we turn and decide to live for ourselves, that we actually love our own lives more than we love his. 
But we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and not loving our own lives unto death. He's willing to run the risk every single time. Sometimes we'll say to each other, well, if you had faith, you wouldn't be going through this. No! It's their faith that is taking them through this. It's their faith in Christ that is taking them through it. Not that they need a perfect circumstance. Let's stand with them, not against this. This, this, this war is not against flesh and blood. It's against the, the rulers and principalities of, this, of, the, of, the, of the spiritual realm. Let's not make it also flesh and blood by saying, if you had enough faith, now I'm actually fighting against you. No, let's stand with them. Maybe you need to have faith with them. Like, where is your faith in this situation? Remember, we're all one hive. We're all one body. We're all corporate together. So if we start pointing out, hey, you wouldn't be having this because if you had enough, well, where's my faith? Don't you be pointing the finger. Don't you be going, hey, where is that? It's like, no, as a corporate entity, as one body of Christ, where is our faith, right? Let's actually grow up together into who he is. What if it is that the testing of our faith produces endurance and then character and then hope, like Romans 5 says? But not in things that are seen, but in things that are unseen. First Peter 1 says, even though you don't see him, you love him. The testing of your faith, like that of gold, is refined, shown to be truly genuine. Like that. There actually, actually is this testing that takes place. That's actually how faith is shown to be truly genuine. So there's this fire, and it actually brings it to a point that it actually separates the bad stuff from the good stuff and the bad stuff gets drawn off and you can actually have this pure substance of gold. And that's what he actually references our faith as, as this gold that, uh, that the testing of your faith, like gold, is refined, shown to be truly genuine. Faith isn't perfect circumstances. It's steadfastness in the, per, in, the, in, the, in the midst of circumstances, endurance in the midst of trials, perseverance to the end. He said he'll be with us in time of trial, not keep us from trial. He'll be with us in the time of trials. There's another in the fire standing next to me, right? There's another in the water holding back the sea so I can walk through. My circumstances look pretty crazy, but I have so much confidence in his character. And despite what I see with my eyes, I know that he has a plan. He's, he's going to do good things. So take heart. I have overcome the world is what he tells us. Don't grow weary in doing good for at the proper time you will reap a harvest. My peace I leave with you. Peace that surpasses all understanding. So when I get these things, I live from a different perspective. It's no longer I who, who live, but Christ who lives through me and in me and out of me. Whether beatings or imprisonment, I count it all joy. Everything is lost, is lost compared to knowing him, to the surpassing riches and glory to be revealed in us. On Jesus' worst circumstantial day, think of that for a moment. His worst circumstantial day, he had the greatest victory. Let's live in the same way. On our worst circumstantial day, let's live in his victory. Our joy doesn't come from our circumstances and living above the storm. It's from the one who goes through the storm with us. Our hope doesn't come from our work or our hope for a better tomorrow. It's his finished work. Faith doesn't necessarily stop things from happening. Faith takes us through the things happening.
For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. It is the joy of knowing and being made into his likeness that we endure to the end. Hmm. Yes. We will save other stuff for another time. Yes. So, like, that's, this is part of what, like, I want us to get this, that there is this thing of faith that is richer and deeper and greater than what we're used to thinking of it as. That there is actually, that faith actually requires a maturing. That's just the way it is. That it's not just, I come to him because I have faith. No, how many times have I come to him just based on, on fear, based on worry, based on these things in my life? But I want to develop into a person who my instantaneous response isn't, oh my gosh, I can't believe the things I just, like the report that I've just heard. So I have to come to him because I'm so scared that it might be cancer or it might be this thing or this person might be dying or this person might have done whatever. Like, I don't want to come to him because like my first inclination in my heart is fear. I want to grow up into him and that my first inclination in my response to him is faith, and that I'm growing and maturing. And that's what part of the perseverance, that's what part of the steadfastness and endurance, that when we don't see those answers that we want instantaneous, do you remember what he told me? He was like, yeah, it actually takes more maturity to have those instantaneous answers because you'll think it was you. You'll think you did something special that time you'll think that you actually were the one that, that prayed hard enough and that, that somehow you, you had such an intensity that that's why you got the answer. And so it actually takes, he actually wants to give us those instantaneous answers, but he, but he has to be able to trust us. He has to be able to have us grow into people who are mature, who can endure, who can persevere, and who can be steadfast, who can grow up into character and have hope in him. And so he actually wants to give us those instantaneous healings where we're like, Lord, just heal this person. Boom, done. But we have to be steadfast. We have to endure. We have to overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and not loving our own lives unto death. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your grace in our lives, that you, it was your finished work, that it was everything that you've done, that it isn't our work, it isn't these things that we have to work up and that we have to, we have to strive and develop and, and, and do these things, but it's actually that you who began a good work, you'll be faithful to complete it, that you actually want to see us grow up into all things who is Christ the head. and that you would actually continue to be growing us, and you would continue to be maturing us, and you'd give us those desires, that you would teach us to walk by the Spirit, and to not actually give in to the desires of the flesh, that we wouldn't walk by sight, but we'd walk by faith. Yeah, I thank you for your goodness, God, and I thank you that, you that this is your will, and that this is your desire to do these things, and that you do want to see us live these lives. So I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.